Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about crafting in a small space. This is episode 11. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hey, hello, welcome to the Craft Room. In fact, welcome to the tiny craft room. If this is your first time to the podcast, thank you so much for joining me today. I thought that we could tackle the subject matter that is also the name of this podcast, the craft room, more specifically, small crafting spaces. Because let's be honest, as much as we would all probably love one of those Pinterest worthy, fully decked out, coordinated craft rooms, the reality for most of us is that we have a relatively small space to dedicate to craft. So unless you have a spare bedroom, a home office or a rumpus room going unused, chances are that you craft at a desk tucked away into a corner or the dining table or the kitchen bench or a tray table or on the lounge or maybe in a cupboard like me. Working in a small space, let's face it, it is limiting. We may have to share our space with others. We might have to pack up everything after every single crafting session when we would much rather leave it all out until the project is done. Maybe inquisitive mini people get into your suppliers and use all your stickers, unravel your yarn or create a masterpiece on the layout or the card or the canvas that you've just worked on all day. Yes, it happens. It's happened to me. We're limited on how much stuff we can keep on hand by the space we have available. And if you're renting, that makes it even more limiting. So my question is, what can we do about this? My answer to this is, we can do what we do best, think creatively. So today I want to share my top 10 tips for maximizing your craft space and some small space efficiency. Let's get started on that. Number one, stack it. Baskets are very pretty. So if you're going for a Pinterest kind of vibe, then baskets are great, especially for yarn. People love photos of baskets with yarn piled up in them, but they don't stack. And when you're short on space, this becomes a problem. This is why I prefer tubs with lids that allow me to stack them because I can make the most of the space that's available. Now, I know that baskets look pretty filled with yarn, but every time I've tried this as a storage option in my home, it's been a complete disaster. Non-yarn things find their way into the baskets. Uh, Probably some of the most interesting things I've found in my yarn basket, and when I say interesting, I don't mean really interesting, I mean gross, Uh, a dead cockroach, a half-eaten apple, a sticky lollipop, and probably the most devastating to the state of my yarn, the cat. Oh yes, she slept in my yarn basket and so I had to change what I stored my yarn in. These things are just not good for your yarn. I mean, I was lucky I had lined baskets that we received a Christmas hamper, a couple of Christmas hampers in, and they were fantastic, but most baskets are not lined. And if you have yarn in a woven basket, it's going to catch on the wicker or the texture, and it's just not going to keep your yarn in very good condition. The other thing is I'm a sporadic crocheter at the moment, and dust actually became a legitimate problem. Have you got any idea how hard it is to dust yarn? It's fiendishly difficult. So I had to start thinking about rehoming my yarn and then the last straw, 
I just got too much. It was constantly falling out. That sticky lollipop just it all came together into this cluster of annoyance. And so I had to find a new storage solution. Now, when I was looking for this storage solution, it couldn't take up any more floor space. I had a very simple designated small space where I was keeping this basket and it was just overflowing. It was a mess. It was unsightly. It had gone from that pretty Pinterest basket to just just a pile of yarn in the corner. There was nothing Pinteresty going on there at all. I had to find some storage solutions that weren't going to just add to the mess. The first thing I did was actually look around the house to see did I have anything empty lying around the house that I could already use? I had some empty tubs in my garage. That's the first place I go when I'm looking for things that I need to stack now. But in this case, I found that I had an empty suitcase under my bed. So I've got some yarn in there. And then I looked at other empty space that was already available and It was really easy to find places to put the yarn behind closed doors, out of sight, no longer a great big jumbled pile of yarny mess in the corner that was way too attractive for the cat. Now let's talk fabric. I store my fabric in tubs, not because I'm against storing it on shelves. I really think that's very pretty, but it's because the shelves that I use for my fabric is so deep that when I actually tried this, you know, folding it and having it nice on display, I couldn't reach what was at the back. It was just total chaos. I pull one thing out, everything would fall down. I couldn't find anything quickly or easily. It got wrinkled. I spent way too much time ironing. Like ironing is not a pastime I enjoy. So for me, tubs were the solution. I'm also fond of small stacking tubs for my paper crafting supply. I use the same tubs for paper crafting as I use for fabric. I find that scrapbooking and card making has lots of tiny pieces. So I found that tubs were the best thing to corral that all in one space. And because they stack, I can stack three five litre tubs tall on my shelves that I use it on. That works really well. So I store by colour. And so when I'm looking, if I'm making a card that's green and purple, I just pull out the green tub, pull out the purple tub, rifle around inside, see what I like, use that and then pop the lids on and put them back away. Now, to be fair, I'm definitely overdue for a craft cupboard cleaning session and I am actually looking forward to taking a little bit of time to just restore order to the cupboards so that I waste less time looking for things. But a tip here when you are doing things that stack, you are going to need space around them. So don't jam lots of things into a corner where you're just constantly going to be moving one stack of tubs to get to another stack of tubs or pile things up in front of them because that is going to bite you in the butt and become a real pain. And you're not going to use the things that you have stacked. Lastly, tubs don't have to be boring and functional. I have some really nice tubs with lids that help them stack. Now they don't click on like a big, solid, very airtighty 50 litre tub that we're used to. It's kind of nice. They come in different colours. They have a basket weave texture on them. They've got little handles in the side. They come in a few different sizes and shapes. So, you know, just because it's a tub doesn't mean it has to look boring. Keep your eyes peeled when you're in the dollar shops when you're in storage places. Uh, I got these textured ones at Kmart and I've seen some pretty cool ones in Ikea as well. So keep your eyes peeled for storage solutions that stack. The reason why we like storage solutions that stack, it takes up one tub footprint on your floor and then you can go up and get more bang for your buck, which leads me nicely into number two, 
maximize your real estate. So as I just said, stacking tubs with lids is absolutely going to do this for you. But there are other ways that you can take a small footprint on your floor and go up. So for example, let's go back to my yarn storage. I'll talk about that a little bit more. After I outgrew the baskets and it all got completely chaotic, I switched over to 50 litre tubs. I was working on a bunch of uh, projects for DMC as well as a bunch of projects for Milford Threads. And I, I needed to be able to keep the yarns separate because if I was working on one particular brand, I couldn't get them all mixed up. So I needed to store tons of yarn in a fairly small space and the tubs were a great solution. It only took up the floor space of one tub, but I was able to stack them four or five high in that space. The problem I did face here though was that I was constantly unstacking and opening tubs to find particular colors for specific projects and I'll be honest, it was becoming a bit of a bother. I needed a better solution that was going to fit the same floor space. And I desperately wanted an IKEA Calyx unit. Problem was, it didn't fit my budget and it didn't fit the space either. It was a little bit too big. So what I did was I measured it up, the space that I had, and I just looked every time I was at the shops, at different shops, I would look and see, could I find something that would fit in that space? Thankfully, I hit the jackpot early in Kmart and I found a great little two by four cube unit and it fit the exact same floor space. It was nice and small and compact. And it was, I think it was $35. It was really affordable, had eight spaces and I was able to get coordinating tubs. So kind of like pull out drawers that fit perfectly. And the thing is, even though they don't have lids on them, which I like to keep out the dust and the creepy crawlies and the sticky fingers... They fit so snugly into those cube spaces that it didn't matter. The shelf above acts like a dust deterrent. So it's a fantastic solution. So looking at it instantly, looking at the tubs, looking at the cubes, I knew that my DMC project yarn was going to fit in there really perfectly. I Don't ask me how I know these things. I think it's a really kind of mild superpower knowing when things will fit in places, but it did. I had the measurements. I knew it was going to fit the space on my floor and sure enough, I was able to sort all of the yarn by color and then I could put a little label onto the handle that was on the front of the drawer. And when I needed to get something, it was just so much faster to pull out the drawer, get the yarn I wanted and use it. And then when I was done, put everything away in the appropriate drawers. The only time that a cube unit with this kind of pull-out storage is going to backfire on you is if you stack junk in front of it. Now, I can tell you, I learned that the hard way. So you need to be able to keep it completely clear because if you stack stuff in front of it, eventually you're just going to stop using what's in those drawers because you can't access it. But I really do enjoy the cube unit solution. I mean, the other benefit is I could still place a couple of tubs on top, which was fantastic for holding finished pieces pieces and patterns and crochet hooks and works in progress and all that kind of stuff, UFOs. And you can put things up high in tubs that maybe you don't use quite so often. And if you've ever watched one of my Facebook or Instagram live unboxing videos, you've probably seen that cube unit. It now lives in my office and I have all my Copic markers stacked on top of it. So it's a great piece of furniture. I can utilize the top of it, even though I'm not using the drawers with the crochet yarn as much as I used to just because I've finished that particular project and now I can use that yarn for fun. But we are coming into the winter weather and I have got that crochet itch again. So another way that you can maximize your real estate is building upwards with a little shelf 
on your desk. I've seen some really clever shelving units that will sit and really it's just a flat shelf with a couple of legs on it and it just allows you to have a little extra height. I, on my office desk, I have a big hutch on top of the desk because I've got all my paperwork and business cards and envelopes and stickers and my printer and a whole bunch of stuff like that on. But you can add like small versions of a hutch to your desk. The beauty of it is you can store things in underneath the shelf as well as things on top of the shelf. So really have a look at your workspace, especially if it's a desk or somewhere there's a corner where you put things and it's kind of overflowing or it looks really messy. Is there a way that you can take that small space or corner or desk or whatever and build up instead of out? So let's move on to number three, declutter. Yes, I know we discussed this at length in episode seven. I'll link to that in the show notes if anyone's missed it. And I know I harp on about this a lot, but it really is helpful. By selling or donating unwanted supplies, it's going to free up space for the things you actually use and love. Also, by going through your supplies regularly, it helps keep in your mind fresh what you already have. So you're more likely to use it. Now, I know we like to have a stash, but the point of having a stash is so that you can craft using this stuff, perhaps outside shop hours. I really do understand the agony of loving something so much that we just want to keep it. I really, really do. And if that's you, then it's time to start using that gorgeous fabric, that alpaca yarn, that really gorgeous embellishment, whatever it is, on something that you can keep and enjoy. Now, if you're a scrapbooker, create a layout with that special paper or that special embellishment because that way it's in an album. It's protected. You can look at it often. It will be loved. And after your time is up, that album will be looked at and enjoyed after you're gone. But if it's just kept in a box and you don't look at it and you don't enjoy it and you don't love it, then it's just going to go unseen. It could get damaged. And after you're gone, it could get thrown in the bin. So you want to use it, but use it on something that you can keep. Fabric people as well, create something gorgeous from it that you can use and love. Now, if you're buying some fabric that you plan on making an item with that you're going to give as a gift or maybe sell, and you really, really don't want to because you love that fabric so much, Buy an extra 15, 20 centimetres, make yourself a zipper pouch. And if you really want to keep that in good nick, Scotch guard it. I mean, seriously, make yourself something you can use every day. Make things, use the beautiful things. I've got to admit, I have a lot of beautiful fabrics that I'm keeping because they remind me of my doll making business. That business was so special to me. It, it kept my family afloat in a really tight situation. I got to meet all these gorgeous kids who loved the dolls I made so much and the beautiful storeholders at markets I went to. It was a wonderful time in my life and I find myself reluctant to give away, donate or use up these fabrics because they hold a memory for me. So I came up with a plan. Here's my big plan. I'm going to make Hello Dolly's Quilt. That was the name of the business, Hello Dolly's. And I'm going to have a panel in the middle with my logo on it. And then it will be surrounded by blocks that are made from squares of all the fabrics I use. So I've got this beautiful keepsake. It's practical. 
it will remind me of my business every single time. And I've got to say, it's going to make it easier to let those fabrics go, whether I'm donating them or I'm using them up for other projects. It's going to make that easier because I'm keeping the memory in the quilt. Let's move on to number four. Think outside the craft storage box. When we look at specialty craft storage, it is usually pretty pricey and it's bulky, which makes it expensive to ship. Not everything, but a lot of things. And I really find most of the best stuff seems to be in the States and international shipping is just going to put a lot of this stuff out of most people's grasp. So it's time to look outside of the craft storage arena. I've got a few places that I recommend. Try looking at kitchen storage options. I actually store my stamps in a clear fridge bin that I found in the kitchen department at Kmart. I store my paper crafting embellishments and my fabric in five and 10 litre tubs that are meant for kitchen storage, which I found at the reject shop. I've been using them for a decade and they still sell them. They're super good and they're really affordable. Kitchen storage offers so much. So next time you're wandering through the kitchen department of a store, check it out. Shelves, containers, all sorts of interesting things. Think about ways that you can use them to store your craft supplies and bonus points if they stack. Another department worth investigating is bathroom storage solutions. Clear makeup caddies, they are fantastic for little tiny pieces or tools that you use a lot and you want to keep close to hand. They're usually transparent, which is great because you can find what you're looking for really quickly and easily. And not far from the bathroom storage department, you will probably find laundry storage. Again, this is a great place to find things. One of my favorite laundry finds is a portable caddy. It's got a handle and it means I can store all of the pieces I'm using for one particular project in there. So it's great for the crochet project I'm doing at the moment. It has a lot of balls of yarn. I started with 15 balls of yarn. It's going to hold my yarn. It's going to hold the hook I'm using. It's going to hold my pattern. And if I'm working on it and you know we have someone coming over, I need to pack it away like I'm going away for the weekend. I can just put the whole lot into the cutty and pop it into a cupboard or onto a shelf and it's going to sit there and when I need to pick that project up again I can just bring out the caddy and everything I need is there so you can if you're the kind of person who crafts on the dining table it's a fantastic place to store all your stuff as a caddy so that it's quick and easy to clean up and then bring everything back out again so don't discount the laundry department you can find some really cool things in there now last of all let's not forget about office storage I use A4 paper drawers to store a lot of slimline things. I've got ink pads, woodblock stamps, cutting tools, cardstock, a few other bits and pieces. They fit really nicely under my paper crafting desk. They're surprisingly sturdy and they hold a really decent amount of stuff. I'll link to a video tour of my paper crafting cupboard in the show notes so you can see how I use non-craft specific storage. And if you're looking for today's show notes, you can find them on your app. Or if you want to look online, you can go to donlewis.com.au backslash podcast 11, that's number one one, and you will find everything there. Now, number five is hang it. 
there are some very clever ways that you can use vertical wall or door space without adding shelves or tubs. And these are going to keep your desk space free as well. One very clever product I've seen is below shelf baskets. They're so cool. They've got these kind of prongs that you slide onto a shelf and then you've got a basket suspended underneath. Now, to be fair, they're best for lightweight contents. The downside is if you're storing tubs on top of them, they're going to make them uneven. But if you're storing yarn or fabric up there, it's a non-issue. It just gives you something that's going to make the most of perhaps some wasted space at the very, very top of a shelf. So that's one thing that I think is really clever. The next option is something I saw in the kitchen department at Ikea. I've always wanted one. And we actually have some of this storage in the tiny house. It's amazing. You can get these rails, you secure them to the wall, and then you can get all these extra things that you can hang off the rails. Uh, there's a few different styles and colours, but they've got these awesome add-ons. There's, you can get hooks, you can get little baskets or tubs, you can get shelves. I've seen a cookbook holder. I've seen paper towel holders. There are all these very interesting things that you can just hook on here. So what that means is if you have one of these above your craft desk, instead of having a caddy on your desk with pens, pencils, markers, scissors, bone folder, that kind of thing, tweezers, all of that jazz, you can have the cup holding those things, but it's up on the wall, suspended from a rail. I like the little shelves as well. They're really nifty for holding things. And the hooks are great because anything that comes in a hang cell packet or that has a gap or a hole in it, like scissors, that's fair game. You can just suspend them from the hooks that are hanging on the rails and you can move them along as your storage needs change. So I think that's a really, really clever thing. Now, a very popular hanging system has made its way out of the garage and into craft areas, and that is pegboard. You do have to have it sitting out from your wall, so you probably need to put buttons on the wall first because there needs to be room for the hooks to go in. Otherwise, you're going to make all sorts of damage on your jibrock, and we don't want that. So you can hang your tools, just like Dad used to do in the garage, on pegboard. It's very, very clever all different kinds of shapes and sizes. You could draw around it. That way you'll know in a heartbeat if something has gone missing from your craft space. But it's fantastic. You can hang uh, scissors on there, rolls of adhesive, stamp sets. Again, anything with a hook or a loop or a hole in it is fair game. And if you don't like the look of the boring white pegboard, paint it. Turn it into an accent by painting it with a bright colour or you can make it blend in by painting it the same colour as the wall. I've also seen a really unique kind of pegboard at Ikea. So instead of little round holes, it's got these long kind of, um, I guess, long holes. I don't know how to explain it, but it, they look really, really cool. Now, here's the thing. If you're a renter, you can't just screw buttons onto the wall and put up some pegboard. However, you could make a standalone unit. I, I really don't see why not. Get a piece of timber or MDF or chipboard or whatever you're going to use. Put your buttons onto that. Put your pegboard onto that and you'll have this piece that you could put up and if you don't want it to damage the wall you can just put it on your desk and prop it up against the wall uh, you could put a little felt along the top so that it's not actually going to do any damage to the wall so you know we've got to think outside the box and we've got to get a little bit creative I think it's a great idea let's talk vertical storage on walls and doors for the paper crafters I've seen a very nifty vertical solution for wafer thin metal dies magnetic 
sheets and sometimes they're even self-adhesive. So they've got a peel off on the back. You can stick them on the wall. You can stick them on the back of a door in a cupboard or something. And then you can just pop your dies on there and they hold really beautifully. But if you're renting, you don't want to go sticking magnetic sheets on walls and doors. That's that's not going to end well. But I've seen some clever people take a frame take out the glass and then cover the backing board with the magnetic sheets and hang the frame just like you would with a photo and it looks fantastic. You've got decorative die storage. It's kind of a feature in your home. Alternatively, you could just prop it up on a shelf or at the front of your desk against the wall. There are also a lot of over-the-door kind of hanging solutions around at the moment so just be aware of how much space you've got to play with if you do hang something over the inside of a door because there will be a point where it It's going to get mushed on a shelf. Um, But seriously, but seriously, insides of doors are golden space. And I think we don't use them enough. Now, it's time to shift gear a little and talk about the practicalities of crafting in a small space and a few ways that you can be efficient while you're working out your ideal setup. So our number six is be budget conscious. As much as I would love to have that perfect Pinterest storage It's just not budget friendly. I would love everything to match, but it doesn't. It really doesn't. What it does do, though, is it does its job. I bought most of my storage stuff on sale or on clearance or a little bit at a time. And if I had a space to fill, I would just make do with what I could find around the house. Like, for example... I have an I had an empty suitcase under my bed, so I used it for yarn storage. It was already there. It was space that was going begging, so I did that. So before going shopping for something, have a look. What can you find around the house? I had a lot of photo boxes from scrapbooking days until I changed the way I stored my photos, and often they've come in handy for storing bits and pieces because they fit really nicely. Now, there are some things that didn't work the way I wanted them to or I outgrew them. So I'm very glad that I didn't spend too much on them. I've changed my storage a lot over the years and I really think it would have been hard to get rid of some of the expensive pieces just because they'd cost so much money. So I'm very glad I shopped cheap and I bought things on clearance. So measure your space. Keep those measurements on your phone. A great tip is to take a photo of the space put that photo into a photo editor on your phone. There's a free one that I use called Be Funky and uh, it works really well. I use that when I'm trying to remember something. It's great because you've got a picture of the space, you can type in the measurements and when you're wandering through Kmart or Howard Storage, well, wherever you like to look at storage containers and you look and go, oh, that's nice. I wonder if that'd fit in that space. Take out your phone, have a look. Is it wide enough? Is it deep enough? Is it tall enough? Also, hot tip, keep a measuring tape in your bag. You can pick them up really cheap. So if you keep measuring tape in your bag, sometimes those measurements are written on the packaging of something, but sometimes they're not. So keep a measuring tape in your bag and keep a photo of the space with the measurements written down. Take your time and as you come across things, you'll be able to buy the perfect storage piece. Number seven, Keep an eye on your accumulation habits. If you are buying supplies faster than you can use them, you are going to fill what little space you have very quickly. There's a popular meme that I see someone post in any given craft group at least once a week, and it says, I believe that buying craft supplies and using craft supplies are two completely different hobbies. There's 
I think these days a lot of truth to that, but don't let that be you. Use up the gorgeous yarn. Sew up that beautiful fabric. Add those embellishments to a layout. Make something that you can keep. So just as toys are meant to be played with, craft supplies are made to be used. So use them before you go and buy more. Number eight, shop with purpose. There is nothing wrong with having a stash. It lets us craft late at night when the stores are closed and we're on a roll. Having a stash is fantastic. But the point of a stash is that the items should be used. So if you're buying more than you can physically use, I recommend shopping from your stash for your next project. Now, here's the thing. When you shop with a particular project in mind, you really don't need to find a place to store those items because you already know what you're going to do with it. You probably also have a deadline for whatever this thing is that you're making. So I have my next few quilt projects already figured out. I've bought everything I need for them because honestly, when you're in there and it's on sale and you see it and it's the exact thing you've been looking for, you buy it. And while I haven't gotten to them straight away, I've kept everything together for that project. So when I'm ready to start, I can just grab the bag or grab the tub and go for it. Uh, the, The one I'm working on at the moment is a very large quilt project. It's a pixel Mario quilt. And I think I've been working on it for about five years on and off, mostly off. Um, I'm very excited to finish it. I'm going to a sewing retreat in September. I'm so excited. And I plan to finish it there. It's going to be really, really cool. Now for this project, I just figured out exactly what I needed. I bought it all. I put it in one space. I shopped with purpose. I bought only what I needed for that project. And there will be no waste. And I will talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Because we're moving on to number nine, which is stash busting. I know these all sound a little similar, but there's, you know, I think they bear repeating. So stash busting, look for clever ways to bust that stash, especially your oldest supplies. Now, confession time here. I am a shameless collector of paper pads. I have enough pattern paper to last many lifetimes and make more cards than I could ever send everybody I know many times over. So nowadays when the urge strikes to purchase more pattern paper, as it does, especially when I see it on sale, I make myself pause and I remember that it it will be here tomorrow. And when I go home, I make myself put a dent in my paper stash before I will let myself buy it. It takes a little self-control, but I'm at a stage in my life where I'm I'm less interested in accumulating, but pattern paper is very, very tempting. So here's what I usually do. I go back to my one sheet wonder template. It lets me make 10 cards from a single sheet of 12 by 12 pattern paper plus an A4 piece of cardstock and a few other bits and pieces. So it's a really economical way to make cards. So what I do when I've got the urge and I think, oh, I'd really like to go and buy some more pattern paper, I pull out my one sheet, one of the template. And it does a few things for me. I get a lot of handmade cards. I boost my ready to post card stash, which is great. I have fun crafting. One weekend, I made 100 cards in two days using this method. It's around about this point that I usually realize I made a hundred cards. It took me two whole days 
and I only removed 10 sheets of pattern paper from my stash. If I buy another paper pad with 100 sheets in it, where on earth am I going to put it? Will I really have time to use it? And there are occasions where if that paper pad calling my name at the shop is seriously beautiful or seriously on sale, sometimes I'll cave in and buy it. But more often than not, I realize I already have tons of paper and I really don't need any more. Now, for the card makers out there, if that sounds like you, what I'll do is I will link to my One Sheet Wonder template in the show notes. And you know what? As a special bonus to encourage you to use up some of that pattern paper, I am going to put a code on that one. If you use the code podcast at checkout, you'll get a discount on your downloadable One Sheet Wonder PDF in the store. So if you're a card maker, check that out. I also have a video that shows you how to use it. All right. So moving on to number 10, and this is one of my favorite things to do when I have limited space to work in, and that is batching. So when you have a small workspace and you can't have everything out for a whole project at once, consider batching. For this big pixel Mario quilt that I'm working on, there was no way I would have been able to cut then sew one block at a time. The cutting process took my entire dining table. It was very time consuming and tedious. And honestly, I would have given up and ended up with three cushions instead of a 12 panel quilt. So I batched it. I found this free pattern. It was a graph that I found online. It didn't have instructions or anything. It's just a graph. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes for those of you who want to see the insanity that I have dived headfirst into. Uh, And then I calculated exactly how many colors I needed, how many squares of each color that I would need. And then I calculated how many squares I could get from a strip. The squares are about two and a half inches. So finished, each square is two inches. So I figured out how many two and a half inch squares could I get from a two and a half inch strip of fabric. Then I went down to the shop. I purchased the exact amount of fabric I would need and I bought enough for the whole quilt all at once. So I calculated all at once. I shopped all at once. And i got to say, I'm really glad I did because I It's been five years and I'm pretty confident the dye lots and popular colors, they would completely have changed and I wouldn't be able to color match the entire thing. So I'm very glad I batch bought. So I double checked my math when I had all the fabric home and I cut all of the strips and I cut the sashing and I cut the binding. I did it all in one marathon session. Now that was, that was a lot. But I knew that if I didn't get all the squares cut, I would give up and it would have been a waste of effort so far. So my next marathon cutting session, I cut all the strips into squares and I packaged them into baggies as I went. So I cut all of the black squares, bagged them. I cut all of the gray squares, bagged them. All of the pale green squares, bagged them. All of the mid green squares. You see how where I'm going here. And then each of those baggies, they were sealed and they went in the tub. Easy peasy. I numbered each baggie. I put a slip of paper in there with a number on it. And on my chart, I had a key down the side. And so I was able to put which number baggie. So when I was working on it, I knew which baggies I needed to pull to work on any given block. This made my brain incredibly happy, even if my hands and my back were not happy at all. But most importantly, I was able to pack away my cutting gear, which freed up the dining table. And I was also very happy that all that hard cutting, it was done. 
I don't have to cut anything again. All I have to do is sew now and that's the easy part. Batching is amazing. I do it a lot. I do it for lots of things. I batch when I'm using my one sheet wonder templates as well. I prep all of my card bases so I'll get five sheets of A4 cardstock. I will cut them in half, fold them, make 10 card bases and lay them out. Then I cut up the pattern paper using the pattern paper template and as I cut each piece I put it inside each card base so one two three four five across the top and then six seven eight nine ten so I put the pieces in as I go same when I cut from the cardstock template I put each piece in and then I'll do the same with the stamping and coloring and the same with the sentiments so this means I've got all the pieces for 10 cards just sitting inside the card base and when it comes time I can just open up card base number one, apply my adhesive, stick everything down, move on to the next one. So I'm batching my cutting, I'm batching my colouring, I'm batching my stamping and I'm batching the adhesive process. And it's just fantastic because when you're in the zone for cutting, why get interrupted and go off and do something else? Batching is the bomb and I love it. It saves me time, it saves me space and so I love to batch. For most crafts, it doesn't matter if your space is small. What matters is that you have fun with it and make your space work for you. The size of your craft space is going to change a lot over the years. I've crafted in some crazy spaces. I've crafted in a long closed in narrow veranda. I've crafted at a computer desk in a corner, on a tray table in front of the TV, commuting to work on the train, on the couch, and now I craft in a cupboard. By being flexible and thinking smart and watching my accumulation habits, I've been able to craft in all sorts of spaces. Now, if you craft in an unusual space, head over to the blog and let me know what is your space like and what kind of craft do you do there? I'm very interested in hearing about how other people make their spaces work for them. I really hope that some of my tips today can help you get even more from your crafting space, no matter how weird or small it is. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.